Welcome to Unconventionally Speaking, the PSA podcast where we go behind the scenes to learn about the triumphs and tribulations that help shape the careers of our Unconvention 2022 learning gurus and experienced masters. Not only will you get a sneak peek into their session, you'll also gain valuable insight into the speaking business and tips on how to navigate the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead. Hello, everyone. This is Kim Sealing Smith, CSP, co convener of Unconvention 2022 and co host for Unconventionally Speaking. And I am really excited today because we have Catherine Williams, whose title is Financial Soulmate. So that's the very first question that I have for you, Catherine. First of all, welcome. We're glad you're here. Please tell us what a financial soulmate is. Well, thank you, Kim, for having me on. Yes, a financial soulmate. You could pigeonhole me in the financial box or you might prefer to put me in the soulmate box. So I actually trademarked this term for myself. It's a, a mix between being a finance director and someone who really cares about you and your business. And as a remote consultant, financial advisor across the globe, I felt so much for my clients over the years that I just felt that was the appropriate title. And um, I've, I've continued with that for 17 years now. Oh, my goodness. So it served you well, obviously. Yes. Oh, fantastic. Well, we're going to get into a little bit more of that in a second. But I want to ask you, you know, as speakers, one of the things that we're asked to provide is our show reels. And I'm going to ask you for a verbal show reel. So tell us what you normally speak on and what wows your audiences. Great. Well, Firstly, for my show reel, I would have like a little bit of background music and I've got this really boppy, fun, kind of wants to get you in action. And my, my verbal show reel would be similar because I'm so passionate about money, like we all are. We know mm -hmm. we need money. It makes the world go round. It's, it's actually not the dollars and cents though. It's what it does. And so for my business model as the financial soulmate, working with businesses, helping the business owners to know more about their money so that they can do great stuff, whether that's personally in their family lives, their personal lives, or whether that's for their business, growing their business and their people. It really all starts with a commercial understanding of finance. And so that financial aspect for me is, is really driven by the passion of the business owners and what they've created, which just flows over me. I get it. I so get it as an entrepreneur myself mm, running yeah. my own business. And I know what to do. For me, it's really easy because that's what I've been doing all my life since I started breeding rabbits at the age of 12, oh, <laughs> selling my. rabbits, selling rabbits and little hutches for a bonus price of $50 for the hutch. <laughs> I love it. So I know I know money as well as they know their business because most most business owners have started their business because of the craft. The thing they and I work particularly in the innovative and creative space. The owners are usually creatively driven, and so the money side it's secondary almost. Just like many of them will do what they do for free because they're so creative and so passionate about that. It's like the poor artists. So they're my clients. That's that's my heartland, and I get the money. So we're a really good match left and right brain. Excellent. So yeah, the sizzle for me is is helping them do what they do best, making some money so they can grow their team, their businesses and live a great life. Oh, excellent. Excellent. You know, all Hollywood greats had a secret career before they became famous. What was your secret career before you started your own business? Very boringly, just as an accountant. <laughs> 
Accountants have got a pretty bad rap, actually. Oh, um, we do. You know, I'm a recovering accountant myself. So <laughs> absolutely. KPMG trained. I was a horrible accountant. Thank God I didn't last. Wow. Well, I did not know that. There you go. So look at us now. The grounding was really important for me. And this is my backstory. So uh, I came out of university and was working as a, a CFO for a small business um, and then a bigger business and then an even bigger business here in Melbourne. Ended up at Clemenger BBDO, one of the world's oh, well-known yeah. advertising agencies. Mm. And stayed for a decade, really fascinating role, learning all about Adland and what it takes to make a television commercial and how much the people get paid. I found that interesting, of course. Of course. <laughs> I then went to the UK and continued in that same stroke of, you know, finance accountant, working for PR agencies, ad agencies. I stepped into retail as well and went into Peppy Jeans. So learning about the jeans trade globally was fascinating as well, where all the threads are that we wear, how much they cost. And of course, all the major events that they have around the world. The Jeans Fair in Cologne, Germany, unbelievable. So much money invested into those events. So again, that kind of the conduit to me now being in marketing communications sector, above the line with advertising agency, below the line with activation and PR, understanding what it takes to market a product or a ser service from a financial director's position. So I guess I then moved from being straight-laced finance bookkeeper slash payroll financial strategist in smaller businesses to creating my own commercial enterprise, which was now just training those people who work in those businesses to think more commercially and big picture. All right. So you come by working with creative people naturally because you've spent so much time working in creative businesses, haven't you? So how did you decide to become a professional speaker? And, you know, in the speaker world, we define speaker in so many different ways. And I'll talk to you about how you define speaker a little bit later on. But how did you decide to put that into your portfolio? Yeah, it was a, again, it came from a very strange and typical accounting kind of background where in Australia, gosh, showing my age here, but I think it would be two decades ago, maybe a little bit more, superannuation became an obligation for employers to pay the superannuation guarantee charge, the SGC. And it was the first time in Australia that every employer had to make that payment out of the employee's pay. Mm. And on both sides, the employer were going, why should we have to do that? And from the employee's side, what do you mean you're going to lose some of my pay and put it into something called super for when I'm, you know, really old? And no, neither side really understood why. And it became, because prior to that, it used to be a real perk. Only those that were being groomed for, you know, management positions would have superannuation contributed for them. So it was a real mind shift oh, for everybody. Yeah. So working in the finance department at Clemenger at the time with about 200 staff, somebody in the business needed to communicate this to the staff and to the 200 staff. And nobody wanted to do it because nobody really understood it. I had to understand it because I did the payroll. Yeah. So it was my job to understand that inside and out because I had to adjust everything in the payroll for 200 people. And there were varying degrees of salary levels and what the implications were and thresholds and la, la, la. So I spent a lot of time, as usual, I'm really interested in researching back then pre-internet. So I did a lot of reading. I was involved a lot with the ATO, Australian Taxation Office, to understand their white papers. What are you telling us and how can I convey that to 200 people, juniors right through to seniors, and make it sound like a really good idea. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and I actually did get it. I got it. And I do believe it's a good idea for a small amount along the years. People can retire with huge amounts of money. Mm. So um, it was my job to be that spokesperson for the agency speaking to creatives to make it sound like a cool idea right, that yeah. nobody was going to worry about this transition. In fact, it was exciting and they were so much more knowledgeable about it than any of their friends. So that's how it happened. Right. And I liked it. I really liked it because I knew my stuff and I knew the people and I knew they wanted to know what I wanted to know and I was able to break it down into a way that they could transform their thinking and take action and be be okay with it. And, so yeah, that, that's it. And that so was did, what happened. did you decide from that experience then that, hey, this is pretty cool. I think that I might want to do more of this. I think that I might even want to get paid for this uh, outside of my normal day job. Was that not at that time? No, not, not at, at that time. Because okay. I was only, oh, I was quite young at the time that the bosses did. So my employers thought, Haha, we now have someone in finance that can communicate to the uh -huh. wider public. We're going to get you to do it. They, they didn't say it to me like this. It just happened that any other communication from a financial perspective, Catherine, can you please blah, 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 um, and I would be the one up on the soapbox. So it happened quite naturally and I was very comfortable to do that in a department of 20. Mm. I was the one middle manager at the time to be that person, to be that voice. And yeah, I became a bit popular in the business as well because lots of people wanted, felt comfortable to ask me questions about it afterwards, knowing they'd get a clarity on their question. So it was actually a bit later than probably another 10 years from there. And I realized at that point that I was the one doing all the speaking. I attended an event and I saw that that person on stage worked as a speaker mm -hmm. and it was strange to me. I'm like, oh. So then I thought, well, maybe. So then when I did start my business, I was initially, as many speakers will, just testing my offering, uh, which was now a package, a tailored program, testing it complimentary to start with in front of audiences that were then by my consultancy. And then I started to be brave about asking for money for it. And so now that's just the way it is. Right. So um, right. this is 17 years on that I'm talking to you now. So yeah, there was a bit of a journey to get to that, you know, yes, this is a commercial enterprise for me as well as my other services. Oh, always. There, I think mm. very few of us just kind of land in speaking. And, and it is, it is a journey. And it's a journey that, like all journeys, it has its twists and turns. It has its hills and valleys. Tell us about a valley that you went through in, over the last 17 years, a time specifically when you wanted to throw it all in. What happened and what made you decide to keep going? Yeah. Um, gosh, I don't think I ever wanted to throw it all no. in. I just know this is what I'm about. This is... Yeah. <laughs> dare I say, my calling. Yeah. I, like many of the audience, have found my passion. This is what motivates me. I love working on this topic with these people and it's now global. So, I think that not throw it all in, question how smart I'm being is probably like I've recognized it's jolly hard. So, maybe at that point, some people might just go, it's too hard. I'm going to throw it all mm. in. For me, uh, it's a constant evolution. If it suddenly starts to feel like a burden, I realize I'm getting in the way. I'm the block. There must be a better way. 
I'll go into research mode. What am I doing that's hard and how will I mitigate that? Maybe I'm not the best person to do it anymore. So bookkeeping was a classic one for me (laughs) because of course I can do my own books. And I will share this little story. It wasn't something which made me chuck it all in, but I got pregnant and I was going to have a baby. And so for about you know a year leading up to that, nine months and then having the baby, I was late with my business activity statement, my BAS return, and I got fined. Because I just hadn't done my books and it was really, it hurt. It hurt me because I thought, well, I'm the accountant and here I am telling everybody else to be good with money and look at me, I'm being fined. How embarrassing. And I hated every minute of that time knowing that I couldn't do it and it certainly didn't make me chuck it in, but I realized... I'm not the person to do my books anymore. There are other people who, <laughs> yeah. That, the, the cost yeah. of the fine, it was like four or $500 uh, every time, but that's it was more than what it would cost me for the bookkeeper to process my few little yeah. bits and pieces. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah exactly, exactly. Um, there's a sweet story to conclude on that. About two years after that, I appointed a new tax accountant and Nick wrote to the taxation office and said, Catherine was having a baby. So that $5,000 of, you know, can we possibly have that refunded? And um, it was. No. So oh um, at this juncture, I'll say there is a lovely motto that Peter Irvin co founder of Gloria Jeans offered up in a keynote he delivered once, you've got a 50-50 chance of the ATO saying yes or no. So why don't you ask? <laughs> why don't you ask? Oh, that's you great. <laughs> that's great. You mentioned uh, about doing research and that kind of leads into the next question, which is, you know, tell us about a time where you got stuck at a certain level and you you wanted to grow your business, but you just felt yourself stuck. And it may have been your business. It may have been your mindset. It may have been your craft. How do you typically get unstuck? What is your go-to? How do you break through that stuckiness? I just made up yes. a word. I might trademark that. Stuckiness. I might trademark that, Catherine. You could. Because <laughs> I don't think, yeah, it's quite unique. Um, it's a bit like Google or, or Zero. You know, those words are made up words mm. and they have the strongest intellectual property protection. So there you go. There you go. Get, write it down. How do I get unstuckiness? <laughs> <laughs> it's a constant for me. I get stuck all the time. Stuck at least once a year, possibly twice a year. And sometimes it can just be really practical stuff, which stops me from scaling. So social media was one of those, understanding that whole space and how do I talk to my my marketplace globally now? And how do I, I don't know how to do this. So I would feel that I'm stuck because if I can't communicate my services through the platforms that were emerging, are still emerging in a way that people will receive it in, on the right platforms at the right times, etc. So I would research and thank goodness we do have the internet where we can do that. I would definitely ask others. So like most of us in business, our peers are really just so valuable. You know, oh, they've absolutely. either done it done it themselves yeah. or they know someone that has or they can point you in the right direction. So that's again being a bit brave for a lot of us that are so independent um, that you don't ask because you, you're so used to just solving it yourself and I fall into that basket. So I have a, a nice close network of count, wise counsel around me yeah. that have been with me for many years that are loyal and won't think that I'm an idiot if I ask them that question. Yeah. Another time was protecting my own intellectual property. So creating some very strong, repeatable programs um, that I use with my clients for budgets, calculating rates, sale rates, pricing, uh, monthly reporting. Protecting that has been a three or four year journey for me so that my clients can use it, but I retain the smarts behind building those programs. So that 
as I said, is a three or four year stuck position for me. I have not, I have actually just this year, but for three years, every year I'd say to you, I'm stuck. I cannot find the solution. How can I protect it that I'm not just giving it away? And I've tried many things over the time. So again, that's how I come unstuck. I try things, I research things, I ask the questions, and I have to put in a bit of time after hours to to find that answer until it's the right answer. Um, and this one has been the longest stuck stuckness that I've been in because it hasn't it hadn't been developed I was trying to develop the solution myself it cost me a lot of money and time and in the end I thought surely somebody else has invented the answer to this um and I found it in Iceland oh, so Iceland. <laughs> wow. okay absolutely so a great program that is now being integrated into my business oh, so fantastic. we're we're coming unstuck oh, fantastic <laughs> fantastic yes. that's great and well flat. we'll talk we'll talk a little bit about your session in a second because these questions sort of, or the answers to your questions are giving some little golden nuggets about what you'll be walking us through during your session. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. I want to talk to you about the last two years. Now, clearly, the last two years have been a bit special, a bit unique. <laughs> How have they affected you? And what's different now for you than before times? Yes. And look, it, it kind of, it's a good question to ask on the back of the scene I've just painted for you. A lot of people became stuck in these last two years and one might have thrown up their hands and said, that's it, I'm out, it's too hard. And I didn't. I mean, I actually, I would usually work with about 10 to 15 businesses at one time. And at the beginning of COVID in March, I was down to two. Ooh. So I lost a significant portion of my 80% of my business gone. Mm. No possibility of it returning until we conquered COVID because most of my clients, as I mentioned earlier, are above the line, below the line. So they're event companies, experiential public relations, advertising who are producing billboards and television commercials based on on film shoots and photo shoots, none of this could happen because mm. we weren't actually allowed to be doing any mm. of those things. Mm. So consequently, they weren't earning money, which meant they didn't have anything to manage and they couldn't afford me. So very quickly, my business, you know, almost crumbled. Fortunately, though, just I guess it's the tenacity in, in me and many as entrepreneurs what do you do? And you create. And that's all I could do. I saw opportunities. And now looking back, I was very lucky. Our government supported us here as well. And yeah. I used one of the grants that I was grateful to receive to do a Harvard University course online for the first time ever, only because of COVID. So I took the intellectual property course in 2020. And, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do that. We didn't have the money and I didn't have the time. But suddenly I found opportunity in COVID to do that. This year, so second year, um, again, there was a little bit of a change up. We did receive some more clients come on board, which was amazing, but still not to the dizzy heights. And so I also started to miss being on stage, which is how I earn income, which is also how I speak to my marketplace to let them know what I do and that I exist. So if I can't be on stage, how would they know? How would they know that Catherine existed and mm. what I could do for them if they're in this stuck time as mm. well? So, of course, like many, I went online. The beginning of the year, I thought, that's it. I'm going to learn how to do webinars and we're going to do speaking on stage from home in the webinar format through Zoom and I'm going to learn how to do that. So many late nights watching all the YouTube videos and then watching the Zoom how-to videos, they're quite good actually. And working with my VA, my designer, my writer, we created a series of seven in the first year with a co-presenter thinking that would 
give me double the market, my own market, my own audience, plus whoever the co-speakers market and audience was potentially Australian, but beyond my shores. So I thought that was clever and it was, and it really worked, but it took a lot more work than I had initially thought. So I really this year have spent a lot of time creating content, creating great relationships with my co-presenters and learning how to put webinars on. And we had such success this year that we are, we're already planning for 2022 and more international speakers. And I'm excited, I'm excited that now I can do this now. So actually, although COVID was hard for two years, I, you know, I've, I've come through it with so many other attributes now in the business that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah, yeah. It's been a blessing in disguise for so, so many years. So evolution is part of the normal process. Has your topic evolved over the years? You've been the financial soulmate for, uh, for 17 years. How have you changed and evolved to serve your market or have you changed and uh, evolved into different markets. What's been some of the evolutionary stages for you? Yes, well, the first one, the first catalyst or inkling I had, and this is going back 17 years, possibly before, I was working at Clemenger BBDO, as I said, and we had 200 people and I was in the finance department and responsible for compensation packages, salary packages and payroll. And it just fascinated me how much money the creative people got paid. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why do they get paid so much? They all look like scruffs. They don't come in on time. They don't do their timesheets, which the industry is known to rely on for billings. They disappear after lunchtime and gosh, I don't know, they're always out at late at night. Why do they get paid so much? I don't understand. <laughs> Fast forward. I really understand now um, in my latter years, spending more and more time with those people, but from the financial side, mm. um, seeing what they create. And it has actually led me to write my book. And it is all about, I guess, the marketing communication sector, no matter the type of communication it be, whether that's a TV commercial or a, a press release, that it all starts with an idea. Mm. And that idea comes from the creative brain. Mm. The creator, the inventor comes up with the idea. Without that, you've got no product. You've got no solution. There is no production or execution of the idea. So that's why it's the most valuable piece. And that's why they get paid the big bucks because they come up with a really cool ideas, right. strategy and creative. Yeah. So I guess that was the evolution of that for me and the journey is to really pick into that and understand it. Going right back to the whole superannuation example I gave before, how can I now communicate this elusive subjective topic so that it can be practically applied across all agencies, all innovative creative people can understand, you've got an idea, then what do you do next to commercialize it? So that's my journey. And now I'm an effectiveness judge uh, for a variety of industry bodies, um, checking and vetting the financial attributes and the, the value that is created as a result of the creative idea. Oh my goodness. I did not know that about you. An effectiveness judge. I didn't know that that was a thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So there's often judges on visual appearance or um, I guess the the benefits Mm. of the, whether it's design or an ad or um, writing, but the financial effectiveness um, and the value that's created is a category that right. you can enter your applications for. Right. For so excited mm. about having you involved in the community because <laughs> you bring a skill set that's really unique to our community, our community of, of professional speakers. And I, I know that you're a professional speaker yourself, but you 
have this deep expertise in all things financial and IP, which I want to get to in a, in a second. So, Thanks, you know, the definition of speaker is widening to cover so much more than conference speaking, especially and you know, on March the 13th, 2020, our yes. world just changed. <laughs> and it was a Friday, Friday the 13th, which I just, I think the irony of that is so rich. You know, so the definition of the term speaker is widening. There are a number of different ways to to connect with audiences as a speaker. Talk to us about some of the ways. You've already mentioned your webinars, which I know have been very, very successful. Talk to us about some of the other ways that you would consider speaking and how you connect with your audience. So I mostly connect with the audience through verbalizing and illustrating with visuals well, on my topic, which is the great ideas and how much they're worth or on money and how would you charge your clients? They would be two of the main topics and show me the money is also mine as a trademark for training purposes across Australia. So when speaking to these topics, a picture tells a thousand words. So my communication style, again, very different to financial accounting, one might think classically words on a screen and maybe a bit dull sometimes. It's actually the end result. So it's the examples that have already, that show you. Um, Nike is one of my favorite ones. So the Nike brand, the logo, the swoosh. Why is it so valuable? And well, is it valuable? And why? And it's because we all know it for a start. If I just, mm. I would usually draw it mm. and then I would tell you the backstory, which is quite famous and a lot of people in our sector know it. But there are a lot of people that don't know how it, it started and the actual cost was 35 US dollars for the original swoosh and why is it called swoosh and why is it now worth so much more than that and why did Phil Knight reimburse the young lady Carolyn who came up with the swoosh who was a uni student at the time. So in that quick little example, we've got a young uni student who does a design for a friend for a small fee, it took her 17 hours. So you can relate to that if you're in the industry. There's a real example of what happened. And then we have the history of Nike as it is today as a global number one in brand value across the globe for its products and its thinking and its advertisements that we see. And it touches all walks of life across all, all genres. So it's a really powerful example. And then I, I like to then bring it back down to the audience. So I, no matter the audience size, so it could be 50 people, it could be 500 people, 5,000 people, that the event itself, the arena, I would usually know who they are in the audience or why they're there. So they're, they're at the conference because they want to learn what. So particularly on intellectual property or the valuing of that, I would then bring it back down to how they can use this example to help them walk through their own scenario. I've created a lot of booklets as well along the way, little how-to booklets. So usually that would already be provided in advance on their chair if it's an on-stage live event or if it's a virtual one, they'll receive that before the actual event. So they've got something tangible they mm, can write yeah. on. As a lot of us do that as learning, we need to hear it process it in our brain and then write it down. And that just helped. We might never look at those notes again. And that's absolutely fine. If anyone gives you grief about that, don't worry. It's part of your learning process yeah. to communicate it yeah. through your hand. Yes. Literally, that's all you're doing. You're processing it three times. That's all it takes and you've got it. Yes. So I guess that's really my style through the webinars has been great. They come with very colorful visual themed slide decks. So there's always a theme that 
anchors the thought. So if this is about negotiation, for example, we might be using Lego themes and we'll be talking about the building blocks to negotiate and build a structure or um, a relationship. If we're talking about selling your business, which is another area I can move into, it was actually about passing the baton. So it was about elite performance value and not dropping the baton alone when you're passing. So you're using a visual anchor as well to the financial topic yeah, um, and keeping the points fairly straightforward so that the audience are not overwhelmed because it's accessible yeah yeah there's a huge raft of information but only so much you want to take in that session of course and that leads us into the next question which is what are the different ways that you earn revenue in your business because i know that you're not just a conference speaker you use speaking to drive the back end of your business so what products and services do you offer to your clients from the back end of your business Yeah, it's a great question. And again, something that I've evolved over the years. And it started with me listening to somebody else on stage. And it was about something for everyone. So no matter the price point, there would be something for everyone. Mm. So if you were a young designer starting out and you wanted to learn more about valuing your intellectual property and how to charge clients, you might just buy one of my little ebooks for $20. However, you might then grow into working in a business and you want some professional development training. You might then book into my mentoring program, which is a five to 10 week program where you get me pretty much on tap for a a structured session Mm. over that five or 10 weeks. Mm. Now you've climbed up the corporate ladder and you're probably sitting at a senior management level, C-suite, and you decide that you'd like your team to learn what you've learned. So you might book me then as a speaker to come and speak to your team. And out of that, there might be some more mentoring, or you might discover that you've got a a hole in your bucket here that needs plugging about finance. So you might then engage me as a consultant to work with your in-house finance people or with the owners of the business who see a need for just growing their own repertoire of commercialization. So we've got the books at the the lower level, so something down there for an entree price. Mm. Then the speaking events, the mentoring, the consultancy, they would be the main revenue streams that we offer. Right. Okay. There's products as well, which the products we use in the consultancy. So the budget program, the rate program Uh, that I mentioned before. So you can buy those on their own, but you'd find pretty quickly that you actually want me to drive them for you to start with. You need some mentoring and some coaching to help you help. So that might be project or retainer basis, depending on your needs. Yeah. Yeah. So a variety of pricing structures um, to suit everybody. Fascinating. So take us out into the future. What do you see in the speaking industry over the next 10 years? years? Global, definitely global. That's definitely come out of these past two years and quite quickly all of us around the world who would usually speak locally, absolutely, and then a fair slice of us, 50% or more, might speak internationally. So, of course, that completely stopped. I think with the those that were not speaking internationally before, we've been able to secure more international opportunities during COVID Without because everybody was online. Yeah. It didn't matter where you were. So, what we've been doing is, and from my perspective, we've been growing relationships. We've been making friends with people across the water. And as soon as we can, we're all so excited to get back on a plane safely and to speak with those friends that we've met and deliver our message to those audience abroad. So I think definitely the online will continue. 
because sometimes that just works for yeah. the, the audience time zone. Yeah. Otherwise, I think, yes, we'll definitely be looking a bit further afield um, to spruik our messages, add value elsewhere. And likewise, people overseas, you know, traveling to Australia, where our market is always keen to hear what else is happening across the globe. Yes, yes, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about your session at Unconvention 2022. So first of all, what excites you about the event itself? Well, first time actually for myself presenting I at know. the convention. Disappointed that it's online, but excited also because we get to see everybody and we're not going to miss out. We can be present by being wherever we are. The way the format's been put together is top notch. Like it's it's Thank so you. professionally. <laughs> yes. Well, of course, because you've been involved. But yeah, I'm just so honored to be part of it and to see how professional it is, right? From the contractual stage right through to the the um all this podcast. Everything about it is PSA at its best. And I think for me that learning curve is great just to be partaking in. I agree with what you said a little earlier. I think the topic is a little different and will be refreshing because the audience who are coming from all over, (laughs) it it is not a well-spoken topic. I think if you were an intellectual property lawyer, you'd be speaking at a legal convention possibly. The financial part, maybe you'd be at a CPA conference somewhere. But So to bring them together and to the audience that are all selling their intellectual property, the speakers are selling what they know, their content is their own. I think it's a really nice match because even just working with um, some of my colleagues this year who have named their titles of their, their keynotes and they love that name. They love that title. It's very special because it, it conveys the message before the audience has even heard yeah. the content. Yeah. If it's that valuable, maybe it is something that's trademarkable, trademarked to you so that whenever someone hears show me the money, for example, or sell your ideas, they're going to associate that with me. Yeah. And yeah. that's the power of a brand. And just to put that into context, because you might not have ever heard of Catherine Williams in the context of show me the money and sell your ideas, it takes about 20 years for a brand to become quite well known if you're sinking time and money into the marketing. So even if you're not, it could be still a very valuable asset. So, you know, sell your sell your ideas or show me the money is probably one that's more fun for a lot of people. You know, maybe somebody wants to buy that from me one day and there'll be a price tag. Because oh, I've course, been monitoring, yeah. and, you know, maybe somebody else wants it. So it's like an asset that you can sell, yes. like property, like a piece of land, yes, a parcel yes. of land with a land title. The trademark registration is your title to the rights. Yeah. And so I think the topic's going to be interesting to the audience. So the title of the topic is Sell Your Ideas How to Use yes. the Four Step Ideas Life Cycle, which is trademarked, to legally protect and value your intellectual property. So talk to us about what, what the delegates will be taking away from the session, because all of these sessions, as you know, unconvention is unconventional, no talking <laughs> heads, really practical ideas and actionable items. So what will the delegates be taking away from your session? Yes, good question. So it's a workshop. So there'll be visuals and examples, as I mentioned earlier, that will set scene for you. But I'll actually be doing the work as well and showing you what to do. Showing is really important to support the telling. So the four-step process is having the idea first and foremost. Oh, don't so, give us don't give us the process too early. Oh, you don't want to know? Yeah. No, okay. don't want to know. Don't want to know. Just so, they'll be introduced to a model. <laughs> 
We don't want to get too right. much Yeah, away. no, no, that's good. Oh, okay, no worries. So, um, no, that's fine. So they will have to, they'll be stimulated in that session to pick something that is relevant to them at that time. Perfect. So using that, we will actually be demonstrating using the online tools as well. So we'll be looking at local as well as international. And at the end of the session, they will already have like a little a blueprint, a strategy as to what they're going to do with whatever their idea was or their thing that they're working on in the workshop and it will be easily able to adjust and apply to other things that they might in the future come across or decide that yes I'd really like to use that model for this and they'll just be really clear when it happens and they won't be wanting to give their ideas away for free so they'll be looking to sell or commercialize and and they might not want to sell it straight away and if they've authored anything and there'll be some in the audience that certainly have authored you know what does that mean what's your legacy and what's the the royalty or the what's going to happen next love it sounds like a really hugely practical and hugely beneficial session excellent all right so i want to leave today with rapid fire questions so are you ready Oh, yes. Go ahead. All right. Fantastic. So first question, favorite platform, platform to present on? Can I have two? Sure. I'd probably go with Zoom. It's the one I use most, Zoom meetings and Zoom webinars. And probably Google Hangouts I find pretty easy as well. So those two would be, but Zoom would be more, I guess, from the professional recording and um, advanced notifications and feedback stats. Excellent. All right. Favorite tech hack? tech hack. Mm. Well, this one is a compliment of you, Kim. <laughs> it's my stream my stream deck. <laughs> oh, yes. I love my stream deck. Absolutely this, love my stream the deck. The stream deck came mm-hmm. up in conversation a couple of months back with you um, because I was having a lot of trouble in one of my sessions clicking around trying to get from one program to another in my webinar. Yeah. And, everybody, and everyone saw the, my screen and I was really embarrassed and thought, how unprofessional. And you just mentioned it and I Googled it and looked it up and realized it's a gamer thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that all the glo- the world's global gaming community, they've all got a stream deck. Exactly. Exactly. Can't wait to tell my son That's that my He's a gamer. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Favorite productivity hack? It's going to be Slack and OneNote. Excellent. Yeah. Fantastic. Favorite meal? Favorite meal would be macaroni cheese. Ooh, <laughs> near and dear to this American's heart. Oh, probably only allowed to have that once a year, but anyway. Yeah, same, same. Yep. Favorite holiday spot. And specifically, now that the borders are opening, where are you going to be heading overseas? Well, it's actually Walt Disney World in Florida. <laughs> the happiest place in the world. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So, yeah. And they've had um, the Star Wars world built and the hotels built. And by the time we get there, uh, yeah, I'm very excited to get back and just, just live and love again. It's just a awesome. really great, fun place. Awesome. Mm. Wine, beer, gin, vodka, or tequila? Um, margarita. Oh, yeah. Woman after <laughs> my own mince. heart. Yeah. Uh, appeals to the Texan in me. If, yes. <laughs> if you could have dinner with any three people in the world, who would they be? Oh, wow. Who would they be? Michelle Obama. I'd like to have a little chat with her about her piano lessons as a child and her life as it is now. Queen Elizabeth. I've always followed her and I'm very, again, interested in her motivations, what's kept, what got her unstuck <laughs> along the years. And I think probably Madonna. Oh, so Madonna, our singer, world singer, who stepped off the stage a little, but she she created herself, and everything that she did, whether you liked her or not, she kept reinventing herself and 
came, got unstuck many times and then just wrote books and yeah. I just, again, I'd be very intrigued to learn more about her, what drives her and her yeah. creativity. Excellent. Favorite book, podcast or other go-to for professional inspiration? Oh, I've got a really nice professional book uh, by Michael Bolan and it's The Power to Get In. And so it's about sales actually. Mm. And I really like the the thinking around of course you have to offer yourself to these people who need you and how you would approach. So I really like I like his book and I recommend it strongly for a, a strategy around it. Excellent. What was and podcasts? One of my best friends actually created Two Good Eggs and she's in England and she adopted some young boys and it's her and the biological mother and they're the two good eggs oh, wow. as, um, having a podcast about their journey and and how it happened and how the boys are now oh. it's just really really different it's got nothing to do with work that's lovely um, that's yeah. lovely well Catherine, thank you so much for your time today this has been a real pleasure talking to you uh, you and i know each other outside of psa and i've really enjoyed getting to know you and i've get, enjoyed getting to know you at a deeper level today. So I want to thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you for inviting me, Kim. It's a real honor. And um, I'm very glad to be helping others around me. And thank you for being that conduit. I appreciate it. I'm personally looking forward to the session. And I would encourage cool. <laughs> all of our listeners, if you haven't booked your ticket, book it now. There's no time like the present. You will learn heaps from Catherine. But more importantly, you'll take away practical strategies that will make an impact on your business. So book your ticket today. Catherine, I look forward to seeing you in March, but I will see you before that. So thanks again. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Unconventionally Speaking. We have over 30 unspeakers of this caliber at Unconvention on the 25th and 26th of March. So grab your seat today. Just click the link included in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone that you know who would also get value from this conversation and follow or subscribe to the show to ensure that you never miss an episode. See you all at PSA Unconvention 2022. This episode is sponsored by Your Podcast Concierge, podcast production for speakers who want to increase their authority and generate leads from their show. You press record and let them do the rest. And to this, I can personally attest. Thank you.